Hello and welcome to Bite Size History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I'm Nick, your host. Today we're going to be tackling the big one, WWII World War II, um, the greatest conflict in human history, both in terms of property damage, loss of lives, uh, its effect on world history. The world before the war did not look like the world after the war. And uh, part of this was because of uh, listener requests. Uh, people want to hear about World War II, and it's it's not surprising. Just the sheer scale of the conflict, where it took place, why it took place, uh, and interestingly enough, the nature of its villains. Um, for reasons that I'll explain later, World War II seems to be a lot easier for people to understand. It's a lot more clear-cut uh, than World War I. You know, the Allied victory in World War II is much more of like a slam dunk. Like, it's just clear. It's it's easy, it's easier to understand. So I wanted to start a multi-part series on the Second World War. I've not given up on the First World War. We're going to keep going with that. Uh, but I'd like to have these, these ongoing kind of mini-series uh, interspersed with uh, kind of topics that are standalone episodes. So that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, today I just want to go over the basics of World War II, kind of who was involved, why they were involved, uh, how long was the war, just stuff like that, for people um, to kind of have an approachable way to understand the basics of the war uh, before proceeding any further, uh, before we explore any number of deeper topics. So that is it today on Bite Size History, World War II, The Basics. The most common official start date for World War II is September 1st, 1939, with the German invasion of Poland. So basically, I wanted to start with kind of sketching out our timeline, where World War II sits in the timeline of human history. World War II, essentially, is the period between the Great Depression and the Cold War. And in the intro, when I mentioned that the world before the war was not the same as the world after, that's why you had a world that transitioned from the scarcity of the Great Depression, where it seemed like a lot of the old governments were on the ropes, were going to collapse, and essentially things like that. Then you had this colossal global conflict that gave way. When the conflict was over, a lot of the traditional powers, great powers, like the really powerful nations in the world, were so beaten down by the war that it took them a long time to recover. Um, so the two most powerful nations to emerge from the war were the United States and the Soviet Union. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, which years exactly are we talking about? The European theater was 1939 to 1945. The Pacific theater actually started a bit earlier for reasons that I'll explain in a little bit. So what do we mean by theater? Theater is an area where conflicts are resolved in land, sea, and air. And with World War II, generally speaking, there are two main theaters. There's Europe and the Pacific, and each theater involved different combatant nations. There are like smaller theaters that are looked at by historians, but these are often folded into the big theaters. So I don't know if you know this, uh, but in World War II, there was a lot of fighting in the deserts of North Africa. 
and sometimes this is considered a separate theater of war, and sometimes it's folded into the European theater. Sometimes historians will talk about the Atlantic theater, which refers to the, the, <laughs> this was kind of crazy. It was like this ever escalating uh, fight between German submarines and allied shipping. And sometimes they'll call that the Atlantic theater. Uh, essentially what you need to know, the, the point I'm trying to make here is I'm trying to sketch out where this war happened, uh, but also where it didn't happen. So. There, you know, there wasn't a lot of fighting in sub-Saharan Africa, for example. There wasn't any fighting in Central or South America, uh, or in, in the United States, uh, for that matter. So that's kind of the theater and the time. Who was involved? Um, World War II was a, um, a confrontation between two main camps. Uh, sometimes people will use the word camp to describe like a faction or a side in a war. You had the Allied Powers, which were the United States, the United Kingdom, or Great Britain. You had France, and you had the Soviet Union. There were also other countries that were involved, but maybe not so much on their own initiative, on their own political powers. So for example, just as in the First World War, when I say Great Britain, I actually mean the British Empire. The British Empire was still around in World War II, so it meant that a lot of the colonies and dominions of the British Empire also went to war. So that's why in World War II you'll see countries getting involved like Canada, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, these were called the dominions of the British Empire, or sometimes called the White Dominions, because they were settled uh, by a large number of white settlers, in contrast to other places that Britain had that were colonies, where um, most of the population wasn't British. So I'm thinking of like islands in the Caribbean and stuff like that. Anyway, we're uh, getting in the weeds a little bit here. <laughs> so on the other side, you had the Axis powers, which was uh, Germany, Italy, and Japan. And the reason why they're called that, it, it's because it refers to a treaty that Germany and Italy signed in the 30s called the Rome-Berlin Axis. That's why it's called the Axis Powers. Because I guess at a certain point, the leaders of these two countries realized that their governments and uh, their objectives had a lot in common. And later on, because they had common enemies in the Allies, the Japanese also aligned themselves with Germany and Italy. So, on the one side, the Allies, US, UK, France, Soviet Union, and other associated dominions and minor nations that chipped in and helped as much as they could. Then on the other side, the Axis powers, you have Germany, Italy, Japan, and they had their own lineup of minor nations that also helped them. So for example, countries like uh, Hungary and Romania, um, either because they were drifting towards fascism or because of the immense pressure on the European continent coming out of Germany, uh, they aligned themselves with the Axis powers. There were also countries that didn't officially become part of the Axis powers uh, or the Allied powers, but were sympathetic to those powers. So they would give uh, maybe like diplomatic support or they would contribute money or things like that. but. They didn't necessarily actually join the war. Uh, a good example of this on the Axis side is Spain. Uh, Spain was very, very, um, very, they leaned very favorably towards the Axis powers. Um, so Spain was involved. Finland, because Finland had a conflict with the Soviets, 
who eventually had a conflict with the Germans. Once it became clear that the Germans were fighting the Soviets, the Finns kind of, like Finland, essentially uh, moved into that camp a little bit to support the Axis powers. So we've sketched out the time period, the theater, and who was involved. Why were they involved? This is uh, a much more detailed question <laughs> that uh, we're going to tackle in a little minute. In many ways, the story of World War II begins at the end of World War I, which, was, uh, which ended 20 years before the Second World War started in Europe. There was a general armistice at the end of the Great War, so World War I, that was signed in November of 1918, but the Treaty of Versailles, which was the peace treaty between the Allied powers, and Germany came the next year in 1919. There actually uh, were other treaties that ended the war, but that was like the big one, uh, the, the main one. Um, and when I say other treaties, like the Allies had to sign a treaty with Austria-Hungary and with the Ottoman Empire and uh, uh, stuff like that. So what happened was at the end of the First World War, one of the famous generals from the war, uh, Ferdinand Foch, he was a French general. He said, this is not a peace, it's an armistice for 20 years. And one of the reasons for this was because some of the terms of the Treaty of Versailles were so harsh and punitive on the backs of Germany that it led to widespread dissatisfaction, anger, bitterness uh, in the new German state, the interwar German state. So that period between World War I and World War II in the 20th century is called the interwar period. And Germany did have a democracy during this time called the Weimar Republic. Um, but unfortunately, they had a hard time keeping control of things. And there was, you know, inflation and devaluation of the currency. And there was street fighting, particularly between Germans on the far left, the communists, and Germans on the far right, the nationalists or the fascists or, or the proto-fascists, I guess you could say. Fascism didn't really become a world force until Benito Mussolini, who eventually became the dictator of Italy, took power in 1922. He was called Il Duce, which means like the leader. Um, I, I always remember it as kind of, it sounds like Duke, so it's, it's an easy way to remember that it means like leader. Uh, in any case, he took power in the 20s, and he was kind of a role model for a young Austrian painter who had served in the Great War, uh, mostly as a courier, called Adolf Hitler, who tried to get an art, uh, art school and failed and uh, was actually homeless um, in the streets of Vienna for a while. He uh, got involved in, in far-right politics in the 20s, and eventually, um, through countless machinations and dastardly schemes uh, assume control of the Nazi party. And there was an election in 1933. He comes to power in Germany. In Japan, um, it was slightly different uh, in a sense that, like, as far as I know, they weren't like officially fascist, but the country was fascist in so many ways, uh, hyper-nationalism, uh, kind of disdain for anybody that wasn't Japanese uh, subservience to the state. Uh, they had an emperor, but by the time the war came around, the country had been kind of hijacked by this military establishment. 
like a very small group of officers uh, led by Hideki Tojo that essentially took over the country and were calling all of the shots. When I teased earlier that the traditional start date for World War II was 1939, uh, but some historians are now saying it's earlier, it's because fighting in the Pacific theater actually broke out in 1937 between China and Japan uh, after, among other things, the Manchurian incident. Um, there was like this railroad that was blown up and each side was blaming each other and it quickly escalated uh, into war. Now, China itself, you know, the Chinese empire had gone down very early in the 20th century and they had experimented with Republican stuff. Uh, but by the 30s, China had its own civil war between the nationalists who wanted a Chinese republic and the communists who wanted a, a communist state. By the 30s, communism was well entrenched in world politics, like the Soviet Union was a major power and they were trying to export communism as much as possible. Sometimes the nationalists are called the Kuomintang. Um, but long story short, they were already fighting a civil war and they were already weak and divided when the Japanese invaded. So that's kind of where we are. Um, Germany's angry, Italy is fascist, and Japan is already, you know, fighting China. Um, and some of the things they did there were absolutely terrible. But anyway, the war doesn't just start with Poland. Like uh, Hitler, in the years leading up to the war, he, he just kept pushing his luck and pushing his luck and pushing his luck. So um, for, it began with the remilitarization re of the Rhineland, which was this heavily industrialized area in the west of Germany. And then he claimed that, uh, oh, well, Austrians want to be part of us. So he annexed Austria. And then it's like, Oh, neighboring Czechoslovakia, well, there's a region there called the Sudetenland, where there's lots of Germans uh, living there. And uh, so we're just going to annex that part. Uh, and this was something that was very, it was a very powerful force in world politics, especially in the first half of the 20th century, was this idea that like, oh, well, if we're Germans, like anywhere where a German is living, you know, that should be Germany or Italy, you know, if you're on the side of the Italians uh, looking out for other Italians. That kind of thing. A lot of the causes of World War II were the same as World War One, so things like militarism um, uh, and nationalism. Not so much alliances and imperialism, like those those did, you know, play a part in it, but they weren't as strong motivating factors as in the uh, the First World War. Um, there are even some historians who have speculated that the Second World War in Europe actually kind of started by accident. So Hitler had been pushing his luck for so many years that when he threatened Poland, okay, so Poland had not existed prior to World War I. Uh, a third of it was in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, a third of it was in the German Empire, and a third of it was in the Russian Empire. Uh, Poland was this new state that was created out of the Treaty of Versailles after World War I. And uh, Hitler just hated it. He thought that it was an abomination, an ugly product of the Treaty of Versailles, and there were Germans living there. But also Poland had, you know, among other things, a lot of coal. So Hitler wanted that to fuel his, his war machine. Uh, so on September 1st, 1939, German troops invade uh, Poland. And two days later, on the 3rd of September, Britain and France declare war on Germany. 
because for the leaders of those countries that was like a red line that was like nope like if you go into poland that's it like we're sick of putting up with your your shenanigans in europe and and so we're, we're drawing a red line now you know the outcome of the polish campaign poland fell fairly quickly because they were also hit in the back by the soviets like the soviets had made a secret deal with nazi germany to carve up poland which is just ugh, it's such a terrible situation for poland uh and they're actually one of the countries that per capita lost the most people in the war Britain and France couldn't really do much. So, like, what happened was a lot of Polish scientists, government officials, and expat expatriate uh, fighters they fled mostly to the UK and continued the fight as part of uh, as part of the Free uh, Polish Forces. So that's kind of where we are. This was the beginning of the European theater. So here we are after the fall of Poland. Uh, and remember how I said the Allies, it was like, oh, Britain, France, uh, the Soviet Union, the United States. You need to know that by this point, so we're talking the autumn of 1939, the United States wasn't in the war yet. Uh, and in fact, there was a very powerful isolationist movement in the United States that just didn't want to get involved in Europe. And the Soviet Union had signed a treaty with Nazi Germany called the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, where it was essentially a non-aggression pact. Um, in many ways, Hitler's greatest fear were, you know, in his eyes, the, the hordes from the east, like the, the Slavs. And um, his ideology was particularly uh, racist and violent. This is from the online textbook AmericanYacht.com. Quote, in his autobiographical manifesto, Mein Kampf, Hitler advocated for the unification of Europe's German peoples under one nation and that nation's need for Lebensraum or living space, living space, particularly in Eastern Europe, to supply Germans with the land and resources needed for future prosperity. The Untermenschen, which is uh, lesser humans, it, it, it literally means like under people, like under humans, would have to go. Once in power, Hitler worked toward the twin goals of unification and expansion, end quote. Uh, I picked that quote because it was just the easiest way to kind of explain what Hitler wanted. Uh, his ideology, like I said, was much more viciously racist than the fascism of, like, let's say, Italy. Well, you know, the, the fascism of Italy was not nice by any means. Um, but the fascism in Nazi Germany was just, like, obsessed with, like, white supremacy and just um, the, in, you know, the supposed inferiority of all other peoples, um, you know, in the world. Hitler very much believed that democracy was a stupid way to run a country. And uh, one of the reasons why he pushed his luck so much is because he believed that the Western democracies were weak and decadent and were actually ready to collapse. And he was basing that on his own uh, misinformation and his own misguided beliefs, but also because uh, that these nations had struggled so much during the Great Depression. Hitler came to power in 1933, and uh, he actually rebuilt uh, Germany in the middle of the Great Depression while the other countries were struggling. And he did such a good job with Germany that, if I recall correctly, uh, Hitler was uh, Time Magazine's Man of the Year for 1938. So, how nuts is that?
Okay, well, we're going to leave it there for today because I don't want this episode to go too long. So this is actually going to be part one of the basics where I'm going to leave right now uh, as a stopping point. Uh, we're basically a little after the fall of Poland. So this, hopefully, uh, you learned a little bit and, and it was a good way to kick off the basics of World War II. Uh, again, just such a huge topic. So <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, really chop it down into bite-sized chunks here on Bite-Size History. <laughs> In any case, this has been Bite-Size History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I was Nick, your host. Listener mail can be sent to bitesizedhistorypodcast at gmail.com. And once again, thank you so, so much for listening. Goodbye.